My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. Veritas, welcome to the Equipping Podcast. Today we are talking about foster care and adoption. And we got a good dude here, Jordan Howell. Um, Jordan, who are you? What do you do at Veritas? How long have you been here? Jordan Howell, been on staff at Veritas for just over a year, starting in July of last year. Currently direct the SALT company, College Ministry at Veritas, and love the opportunity to just jump into what God is doing amongst the next generation. So wait, wait, wait. So this is new. Like we should celebrate this just briefly, right? Come on. So tell us a little bit more. Like you're being a little bit veiled. (laughs) I am. You were... I was the interim. <laughs> I was the interim. You were interim to the director or <laughs> interim director? The interim director. All right. Yeah. For about and nine then, months, right? Yeah. But From March it. until now. Slaying it, dude. And then, yeah, Michael called me into his office and said, pack up your pack up your desk. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 So, yep. Yeah, just uh, accepted the college ministry director permanent, temporarily. If that makes till sense. Till death. Yeah. Permanent yeah, till, till death. death. Yeah. yeah. yeah In this role, till here. death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no changes that happen at Veritas Church. Yes. Yeah. Today, we're talking about foster care and adoption. And I, I would love to hear your story in your family. So you and your wife, your foster parents, mm-hmm. would love to hear how you got involved in that. What about that was interesting to you guys? Yeah. How did you become foster parents? Yeah. A little bit of a loaded story, so I'll start back to when we were in Cedar Falls. We were in a connection group with um, leaders that actually were involved in the foster care process. So when we started connection group with them, they were fostering two little boys, and we watched them go through um, the joy and heartache of foster care, watching their, their two boys actually be reunified with their dad, which was obviously a beautiful but difficult thing for them to do but uh, months later uh, the boy's dad came back on their doorstep and just said I can't parent these boys Uh, I want you to adopt them and uh, so got to see them wrestle through just the difficult process of feeling like they were parents to these boys losing them in a sense to give them back to their biological father and then getting to adopt them and Ellie and I were watching on and just said, wow, that <laughs> that is so messy and so hard, but so beautiful. And we just saw the gospel radiating really through our friends and through their story. And that captivated us. And we were like, man, we want to do that someday. But I think I would be lying if I, I said, I thought that someday was now. <laughs> you know, we, we always envisioned that we would start our own biological family and then someday introduce uh, foster care to our family, to our kids. But yeah, just late last year, uh, Ellie had texted me one day and just said like, hey, I don't know why, but I just like keep getting nudges from the spirit that I think we're supposed to consider doing foster care now. And so we prayed through it and just thinking about having a three bedroom house that we're only using one in, uh, we were like, why not now? So started 
classes January of 2020, and we are now foster parents to, to two little boys. So, And what's the timeline for classes, for all of that stuff? I mean, practically, if someone were today to say, I want to be a foster parent, what do you do? So we went through Four Oaks, which is a licensing agency. There is um, a Four Oaks here in Cedar Rapids. And there's initial paperwork you have to fill out to apply, and you attend an online interest meeting, essentially. And then from there, you would register for a class, which takes 30 hours, and I think it's 10 weeks of three hours each class, of just learning about foster care, learning about the goal of foster care, learning about the logistics of foster care, and really um, helping you understand how to parent children that have experienced trauma. So trauma-informed care, which was uh, very foreign to Ellie and I, both yeah. living um, pretty sheltered and, and blessed lives, not having experienced trauma. But, yeah. Yeah. So you go through the classes, and then how soon after that do you get a kiddo? Like, do you finish your last class and they're like, here's a baby, good luck. Oh, man, yeah. Sometimes it's like, I wish, but I, I think the, the waiting period for us was actually really, really helpful. So we finished classes. We had uh, several home studies along the way, too, where they just look at your house, make sure everything is safe, that you can, um, you know, actually take these children in. So by the time we finished our last home study, which was the week after class, our waiting process was just over two months before receiving our license. And then I would say uh, timeline for re receiving a call is really up in the air because it depends on what your preferences are for what age range of children, uh, how comfortable you are taking in children with special needs or medical concerns. But um, we got our first call before finding out our license was even like through. So. Wow. It was pretty quick for us, and I think that COVID has just had different effects on the foster care system. How did you guys prepare, like mentally, spiritually, for this this undertaking? Did you did you know what you were getting into? Do you feel like? <laughs> yes and no. I think we somewhat prepared just in being alongside our friends in the foster care process and just seeing the hurt and also seeing the joy in it that like stirs your heart and also prepares you for some of the mess but I think it's like using the the example of like giving birth you know it's like do you know that giving birth is painful yeah well have you given birth well, no. It's like, then you don't know how painful giving birth is, right? But um, I think that's kind of been our experience with within foster care is knowing it's going to be hard, but it's one thing to know it in your head and another thing to know it from experience and in your heart. And so saturating um, our lives in prayer and really, I think, being driven by the biblical mission of orphan care and understanding that we were orphans and we were adopted into the family of God and uh, talked about this at Salt Company a couple weeks ago but like John 14 Jesus saying like I will not leave you as orphans that just fuels us and um, I think has just continued to be our source and our strength through the process. Yeah I, I wanted to get there I want, I want to hear more from you about how the Bible informs this because 
what I don't want to happen in our church is for people to go, yeah, foster care is this like good thing and we're kind of good people and so we'll do it. Mm-hmm. But is, is there is there this theme in the Bible that, that prompts some of us to step into it? So you mentioned John 14, Jesus saying, I won't leave you as orphans. Yeah. yeah. What, what else from the word informs your guys' ministry in this? Yeah, definitely just adoption language, which is, I mean, very rich all throughout scripture, thinking specifically in Romans. Um, James 1, uh, James one twenty seven, pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to yeah. keep oneself unstained from the world. Um, so, yeah, I think just understanding the root of the gospel is like who I was apart from Christ, and I was without hope and without God, but for him to come to me, <laughs> like not me coming to him, but him coming to me, God with us in this season of, of Christmas, um, that he would come and he would die and he would rise again to, to restore me and to draw me into the family of God is just like, man, super rich. And there's a lot of different outlets of ways that we can express the gospel in our life, but uh, orphan care and or adoption just seems to be a reasonable response to the gospel. So should everyone at Veritas be a foster parent? Like we're talking about this rich biblical theme. Would the would the appropriate reaction be, okay, everyone should be foster parent here or adopt? That's a hard question. I just finished a book not too long ago called Until Every Child is Home. And I think how that book challenged me is saying when we see such a common theme in scripture maybe we're safer to assume that it is for us unless God tells us it's not, rather than saying this isn't for me unless God tells me it is. Mm. Um, and heard someone a couple weeks ago say, like, God is more likely to, to close a door than to push you through a doorway. Mm. And same thing with missions, right? Is everybody called to go overseas? Well, no. You know, some people are called to stay and some people are called to go. But... Um, would it be safer for us to assume that we should do it unless God tells us not to or to sit back and wait for like flashes of lightning and writing in the sky that tells us you should foster? So the one statistic in the book that stuck out to me was there's 425,000 cases, uh, open cases of foster care in America, and there's 400,000 evangelical Christian churches. And so the book makes the case if one family from every church would commit to doing foster care. And then the local church would just be the church and be the faith family and the community for that foster family. The Christian community could, in a sense, eradicate the need for a foster system. That's a huge vision. That's really cool. And I love what you're saying about that, where there's an aspect of, hey, just join into this rich theme in scripture and it is going to be really hard, but you'll actually learn from it. Mm. You'll learn more about God's heart through that. And it's been cool to watch you, even as you're shepherding SALT students, to hear you bring this up and and have them pray for you and things like that. I Mm -hmm. love that. What does it look like for the church to come alongside foster families? What are are things that people have done well for you guys? And what are maybe, as we're we're doing an equipping podcast, how can we be more equipped to love foster families, even as we're individually wrestling? Is this a ministry I want to step into more? How do we start now stepping into loving foster families well? Yeah, that's really good. Ellie and I have been blessed beyond belief by the Veritas Church family. Uh, 
I think before we even had a placement, there was a like foster shower similar to a baby shower, but it's like, we have no idea what age of kid we're going to have. So um, friends and family just within the Veritas Church community, dropping off gift cards and books and toys to our house to, to make sure that we were equipped to take kids in and have what we need because initial expenses of taking a child in are expensive. Weird how that works. But also something as simple but powerful as a meal train which like right now we just took in our second foster placement he's uh, just shy of three months old and it's like wow we went from zero kids to two in a few months and for people to say oh I'm sure making meals is difficult right so we have people dropping off meals at our house throughout the week has been super sweet but one thing that we were a part of in Cedar Falls was a nonprofit called Cedar Valley Angels and they worked with a national organization that provided what they called the Love Box. And what the Love Box essentially is was uh, a church community, like a connection group, supporting a foster family. And what they did was they pooled together money each month, and they would provide basic needs for foster family, whether that's gift cards for a date night, toys for the kids. But probably the coolest thing was that notes were written Mm. each month to the family, both the parents and the kids to say like, oh, this is what we've been praying for you. This is how we're encouraged by you. This is uh, how we see God moving. And yeah, I think that that is just like fuel on the fire for foster parents to tangibly handle notes from people that love and care for them and be like, oh yeah, we're cared for, we're prayed for. These people love our kids and are behind us. So There's something cool in that too, where you're emotionally pouring out quite a bit Mm -hmm. to know that there are people that have your back, that are praying for you, that are encouraging you. We're going through 1 Corinthians as a church right now in this season, and, and part of, even as Paul talks about gifts to the body, the way he even ranks, like the value of gifts is their ability to build up, to encourage, to help other people. And there's a gift of encouragement. And now you don't have to like be gifted encouragement to do it, Mm -hmm. but even just practice. How do I speak the grace of God, speak courage, speak hope, speak truth into someone, especially as they're pouring out Mm -hmm. to a child that can't pour back into them, right? Can't, has nothing to give. And I think there, you've, you've brought up a few times, there's a rich gospel picture in that where when we were, aliens, strangers, foreigners, estranged from God, children of wrath, God crossed the boundary to love Mm -hmm. us through Christ, reconcile us. And now you guys are are turning around and looking at kids that you don't have an earthly reason to care for them. Mm -hmm. They're not your biological family. They don't give you anything. In fact, they take a lot, you know, (laughs) and any joy you get from it is like a side benefit. That's not, that's not really promised but you're taking the love that you've been given by Jesus and you're pouring it into them the way that he did the same for you. And we as a family get to remind you guys of that and kind of feed that process too. I love it. How has fostering, like, I mean, you talked a little bit about how it's growing you both, but how has it impact how you do ministry? Has it, has it had an impact on how you do ministry to college students? Absolutely. I think there's multiple layers to it, but Again, I think when it comes down to maybe a theological understanding versus an experiential understanding, um, getting a bigger picture of the gospel through uh, foster care and wrestling with college students dealing with condemnation or, you know, maybe claiming the gospel, but having a works-based approach to God to be able to say, 
man, when I look at our first boy was seven months old when, when we got him and was very underdeveloped, all he could do was giggle, cry, poop, pee, sleep, eat. And to see my heart just like swell and overflow and love for him, to be able to tangibly like reciprocate that and say to college students like, man, this is God's heartbeat for you. And it's not what you have to offer him because to your point, Nathan, like, what does this kid have to offer me? <laughs> Yet I was just bursting with joy uh, over him. And so to be able to give them a picture of that, that's maybe more tangible and in front of them is, has been really powerful. But I think also, you know, the theological concept of like God keeping us, you know, like that Jesus would say, like, no one will snatch you out of my hand. And as I've experienced just the thought of foster care maybe lending itself to adoption someday, it's like parenting is not meant to be temporary. <laughs> and seeing the hurt that exists within biological families when they don't get to parent their children, um, but also experiencing that on the foster side when a, when a kid goes home to his biological family, you formed this bond and you're like, man, this is not meant to be temporary. And so if I can understand that parenting isn't meant to be temporary and, you know, the Bible would say like, man, if good dads know how to do this, how much more does our heavenly father know how to give good gifts? And um, I'm just like, man, how much more is that just a small reflection of God's heartbeat to keep us as his children? And that's helped restore students, has helped restore me in times where I've failed times that I've, you know, in rebellion, like shook my fists at God and just said, man, like, I don't want you right now. But just to see his, his pursuit of me and his desire to keep me as his child has been really rich. And then I think third, just discipleship is so much more than sitting down at a coffee shop and having coffee with people. It's inviting people into your life and inviting them into your home. And so having a few of the guys in my discipleship group, like in our house and watching us parent and watching us succeed as parents and also fail as parents and to watch me as a husband grow, not always through succeeding, but oftentimes through acknowledging where I've fallen short and haven't loved and served Ellie the way I want to um, is just super rich discipleship that you can't get um, sitting across the table at a coffee shop. So, as we, as we kind of wrap up our time together, do you have any next steps for folks listening in our church body? So most of the people in our church are not foster parents, right? What, mm -hmm. what could be one next step they could take in terms of getting involved in what foster care looks like as a church body? Yeah, I think the first thing that, that we all should do is, is pray and that's not that's not a cheap out but you know it's like pray first don't pray last and seeking God's face on what is my role in foster care am I called to be a foster parent am I called to take this orphan care upon myself and if not uh, how can I still participate in orphan care foster care adoption by being a part of just the church family and coming out of that to say okay if I feel like God might be leading me towards foster care to just attend an interest meeting and fill out the initial paperwork. That's not signing you up to take kids into your house, but it's a, a next step to say, I want to learn more about what foster care is and what it has to offer. 
And if you feel like, man, I'm not in the season of life that I, I can personally do foster care, connecting with me on a Sunday morning, connecting with Ian on staff, who's also in foster care. We have several families here um, at Veritas that we would love to connect you to and give you an opportunity to just like pray for, encourage, uh, give them a meal from time to time. And if nothing else, just write them a note and say that we're encouraged by you. So, Veritas, we would love for this to be the kind of church where people see the gospel radiate through the way that we love those that have nothing to give us. And that platform for us to to share that good news, that Jesus already did this for us. This is an overflow of our life. I would love for you to pray and take seriously, as you listen to this, what your role is in participating in this as a church family. At the very least, praying for, loving, serving, getting involved with the families already participating in it. Maybe there's someone in your connection group that's been involved in foster care or praying towards that. Maybe it's just you taking a step to go to an interest meeting and find out more. We would love to find ways to, to have more families at Veritas involved in this and to be the kind of church that supports each other as you go about this tough ministry, this difficult but joyous ministry. And Jordan, grateful for you, grateful for Ellie, and, and the ways that I've gotten to watch just as, as a cheerleader on the sidelines, watch you guys grow through this and, and love love the two little guys you got. Yeah. So thanks for joining us today, brother. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me.